advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do, but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, everyone. This is Amrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. Today's episode is with Dr. Chris Bessant, founder of Herb Smith and The Simple Food Project. This is her story. Who is Dr. Bessant, please? So um, I'm just a veterinarian and I've been a veterinarian for 30 some years now. And kind of my story is I started as a veterinarian and after about five years in practice, I kept seeing patients that I couldn't fix with traditional medicine. So um, surgery, pharmaceuticals, things like that. And I got introduced to veterinary chiropractic and then that, um, it, I went and took the best training available in the world and started adjusting animals. And at that course, there were lots of people that were like, talked about different acupuncture points and how amazing they were. And I thought, wow, I need to know that too. And then I learned um, veterinary acupuncture. And then from there, um, if you're doing acupuncture, you're almost always using herbs as well. And so I thought, oh boy, now I need to learn herbs. <laughs> and so I started learning about herbs and just loved it. And it was really for me, it was a way to have more tools in my toolbox. So every pet that came to me, every patient that came to me, I had kind of more tools in my box. I could use pharmaceuticals, I could you could recommend surgery, I could recommend acupuncture, recommend herbs, or nutrition, or, but it, alternative medicine just gave me more tools with which to fix more patients. And so my whole thing throughout my entire life has been, you know, if, if I can fix each patient that comes to me with an issue, then I'm doing what I should be doing. And so that was really how I got into the whole, um, the use of herbs and alternative medicine and pets. How many years ago was that? About 30 some years ago. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like 19, 
1988. That's when you started practicing? Yes. Yep. Wow. That's when I graduated from veterinary school. And so, um, you know, the first couple of years, I just practiced it, practiced traditional medicine. So, and then just kept seeing patients that I couldn't fix. And I thought, this is crazy. And I had a number of wonderful people that came into my life that showed me there were other options out there. And <clears throat> to me, I, I didn't ever have a feeling of this is weird or goofy or different. It just made logical sense to me. And I pursued it as another option, another therapeutic thing that I could, I could implement for my patients. And that really was kind of amazing because um, in the beginning, like there were no veterinarians in our area of practice that, that did chiropractic. I mean, that was just craziness. And so for the first six months of um, practicing chiropractic, I didn't charge anybody. And I said, just give me your honest feedback. I don't want to risk my veterinary degree on a fad, but this makes logical sense. I took the best training available in the world and I can guarantee you I'm not going to hurt your animal, but I just want to know, is it, did it really work or not? And you know how God always brings things to you that you need at the right time. And, and every time I'd start to think, oh, I don't know if I'm making a difference some pet owner would call me and say, oh, Dr. Bassett, my dog is better than he's ever been. Thank you so much. And I went, yep, I'm on the right path. And I felt like if they didn't pay for it, they didn't have this vested interest, whether it worked or not, you know, that they would give me true, honest feedback. And after about six months of Every patient I worked on, the owners would call and tell me how much better they were doing. I went, yeah, this isn't just a fad. This really makes logical, physiologic sense. And then from that, that kind of brought me into um, Chinese medicine and looking at um, medicine from a different perspective than traditional medicine. And so I could look at patients with that scientific mind, but I could also look at that look at a patient from uh, Eastern Chinese medicine perspective. And with that, it's all about getting down to the treatment. And the treatment is with acupuncture needles or twina, which would be your, with your hands. Um, and then you would also pair that with um, Chinese herb, herbal formulas that you would use or food and or food energetics. So that kind of, I practice that type of medicine for 25, 28 years. And with this goal of trying to help every patient that came my way. And, and it worked over and over and over again. And so many patients all did fabulous. And then, you know, I was seeing patients all day, every day. I um, had my clinic at my farm. And so I could see patients on Saturday and Sunday. And I was seeing patients about six and a half days of the week and they were all doing fabulous. And I thought I need to extend myself further that how can I be more of a positive influence on pets than just the patients that I see every day. 
And we had some really fabulous pet stores in our area and other really wonderful, um, excited young veterinarians. And I thought, wow, if I could get them a lot of these herbs that I've used for 20 some years that, that are very safe, easy to apply, uh, that fit almost in a, China, in a Western framework. So for example, joint disease, that you could use Western pharmaceuticals that are pain relieving and anti-inflammatory, or you could use Chinese herbs that are called um, blood and chi moving. And interestingly, even though they sound very different, they're saying the exact same thing. So as long as the pet parents could identify that their dog has arthritis, they could use Chinese herbs. And so that's when Herbsmith was born. And Herbsmith was really stemmed from my veterinary practice. And that in my veterinary practice, I had been using all these herbs and knew how safe they were and knew how effective they were. And, and no veterinarian in the world was was doing this like why and i just felt like why not like these are safe they work really well you can easily identify when to use them and it's a small handful i'm not saying that all chinese medicine should be um in a otc over the counter sort of formulation but there are some that are just really fabulous and really should be and in the united states at that time there was about 1200 holistic veterinarians. And to me, I said, okay, well, that means that of the patients that go to these 1200 vets have great care, but what about all the rest of the world? And if I could bring wonderful, safe Chinese herbs to pet stores or feed mills or uh, massage therapists or other pet professionals that then they could apply them as well. How many more, how many more pets could we have a positive influence in their life? And, and I didn't know if it would work at the time, but I was fortunate enough to be able to have a financial backer who said, Hey, if you want to do this, let's do it. And that's how Herb Smith was born. And so we started with five formulas that were for like for immunity and for joints and for calming and um, for bladder care and just really simple formulas that work super well that, you know, you could see a difference relatively quickly. Um, and then from there, it expanded it into so many more. But it was really just kind of the way I approach veterinary medicine. Like to me, Personally, I've always been really sensitive to pharmaceuticals. So they either, I, are, I either got the side effects or they made me feel terrible. And so herbs just made a lot of sense to me. And I always loved the idea of using food as medicine for myself and for my daughter and my family. It just made sense to me. And so it made sense to, to implement those same things with my patients. And, you know, I didn't come from a family that loved like new agey sort of stuff at all. I mean, I came at it thinking I'm just a veterinarian and, but I want to use, I want to fix every patient that comes my way.
Wow. Wow. I think, <laughs> uh, I, you know, like, I'm just, I'm just listening to your story and I'm thinking 30 years ago, the world was very different and it was a lot more conservative. And especially yeah. in the US, um, you know, Eastern medicine was still very new agey, I believe. Um, so you actually, you know, um, crossing over to the other side and, and practicing that, um, that must have been very, uh, very wild, you know, very, uh, very rebellious for, I think, your peers at that time thinking, you know, if they're more conservative, they're like, Oh my God, what happened to Chris? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is really true, actually, is that other veterinarians were started calling me the witch doctor. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll fix your patients. <laughs> and then what happened is I started getting all of the most unfixable pets coming to me. So animals with the most horrific things, the most terrible cancers, the most um, horrible arthritis, they came to me for care and they all did great. And the beauty was, is all these naysayers that are like, ah, oh, she's a witch doctor. They all said, after their patients went back to them and said that Dr. Besson fixed my pet and he's doing better than he's ever done before. The majority of veterinarians in the area would say, we don't know what she does, but she fixes them. And I always said that if you see what I do, so um, doing a chiropractic adjustment or putting a needle into pets in different areas and then sending them home with this brown herbal powder, I say, don't judge me by what it looks like. Judge me in two weeks when your dog is better than they've been in a long, long time. And the beauty is I started having to have the University of Wisconsin-Madison is about 30 minutes from my practice. And so they started sending lots and lots of cancer patients to me because cancer patients did so much better. They healed so much better when they were getting acupuncture and herbs and when I was adjusting their foods based on food energetics. And so again, they didn't know how I did it or what I did, but what they saw was patients that came to me did better. They healed better, they responded better, they had less side effects with chemotherapy, they just improved. So that really, you know, when you asked the question of, did you have any conflict? I think that was, that was the beginning. In the beginning, the conflict uh, was what I was doing was so different from traditional medicine that, that I had approved myself, which was fine because I knew that logically it made sense. Um, but then I got the second wave of conflict when I started, um, when I started Herbsmith and started selling Chinese herbal formulas to pet stores and massage therapists and other veterinarians with the, my holistic veterinary peers thinking that I was giving away the secrets that that how dare I give herbs to a pet store like 
they won't know how to apply them. And I'm like, I don't, I don't feel that way. I feel, I feel like there's abundance that if all of us are out there helping animals, that all animals will get better care. I didn't feel like I was giving the secret away or in any way harming holistic veterinarians. In fact, it was the opposite. That's what it turned out to be, is it turned out to be the opposite. So that pet parents who might've used one of Herb Smith formulas and they did really well for their pet were then much more likely to say, hey, can you find me a holistic vet in, in my area? And so we, every day, Herb Smith gets calls and we probably refer at least four to five people every day to holistic veterinarians for even more in-depth care. So that was, that was a conflict. That was, that was difficult because I didn't go into it in anything but a totally pure heart. Like I just want to help more, help more pets help more pet parents, have them live better lives. So the idea that, that I was giving away the secret was just crazy to me because I thought of abundance. I didn't think of scarcity. And I thought if there were, if every single veterinarian practiced holistic medicine and used herbs, right, then I wouldn't need to have done that. But 1200 was such a small number of all the pets in the world that needed help that there could never be a harm with it. Oh, I, I love you for that even more now. You know, um, the, the way you, you thought, you know, about abundance and sharing and, and spreading yeah. the word, you know, and, and, and creating that awareness with, with um, I would say the lay people, you know, pet owners and pet shops, just going down the masses and, and, and just teaching them not not a lot of people especially 30 years ago would think that way honestly honestly you know um like you said everyone would have looked at you and said you're selling trade secrets yes absolutely and i thought that was just that was just craziness and and it was also in a time where um veterinarians were very possessive of their practice. And they did not like the idea that a pet owner could be proactive about their pet's care. And, you know, now we think, of course, you would be proactive about your pet's care. To me, it's your responsibility. We've domesticated them. It's your responsibility as a pet parent to take as good a care of them as you possibly can. And I think of healthcare is kind of a pyramid and that the bottom of the pyramid is what we do with lifestyle. So a border collie needs to run a lot (laughs) and um, food and herbs and supplements. And, and then if we need veterinary care, so if we need pharmaceuticals, thank God we have them. If they need surgery, absolutely you should do that. But what I found as a, as a holistic veterinarian is animals who ate well and had good environments and had the right supplements that complement their food healed well. And so to me, it was win-win, meaning that 
the pet parent got to be proactive about their dog's care. Their dog had this great foundation of health. And then when they needed pharmaceuticals or they needed to have a surgery, they healed so much better. And which was win-win for everybody. So now the pet healed better, so they felt better quicker. The pet parent was happy because their pet wasn't in, in pain for longer and it made the vet look good. So what I saw in my veterinary practice is the people who came in and they did the right things with their pet healed so much better. And that was, you, you asked kind of, what was my light bulb moment? That was my light bulb moment. I had this wonderful girl, lady named Terry, and she, she was amazing. And she would come in every morning or like when she came in for her vet appointments with her dogs, when she came in, she put out her cigarette and you'd see a Snickers candy bar wrapper in her pocket, but her dogs got like a most beautiful smoothie every morning. And so they had like anchovies and yogurt and goat's milk and berries. And her dogs were fabulous. They were gorgeous. They were healthy. They lived amazing lives. And anytime I had to work on them, they responded super quickly. <laughs> and I laughed because she didn't do that for herself, <laughs> but she totally did that for her pets. And what I saw is her pets were healthy and vibrant and healed really well. And that said to me again, that foundation really matters. And she made me look good because she did all the things ahead of time. So whatever I did immediately took effect. You know, um, you using food therapy and it's fresh food therapy from a TCM perspective. Um, yeah. That 30 years ago would have been very unusual because um, that was the start of the, the processed food, commercial pet food, prescription diet um, you know, mentality, especially with the vets. Um, yes. How how was that received, you know, with your peers and even say with the patients coming in the first time uh, meeting you? You know, I think I, it just makes such logical sense. And even though other people in the world um, weren't doing it, um, it just made logical sense. So pet parents didn't, um, amazingly, never really said no to it. They were like, absolutely, if, I, if that will make her better. Most, most people that came to me had already been everywhere else. So they've already done every surgery. They already did all the pharmaceuticals. They already made their dog really sick with everything else. So at that point, they were kind of desperate and how interesting that when they were the most desperate, we did the opposite. We went back to the basics and back to simplicity and to nature and to nutrition. I mean, simple stuff, but that completely turned them around. So within the pet owners, I never had any negative. They were more than willing. At that point, they were like, you just tell me what to do and I will do it. And 
And that I think slowly but surely, just like the herbs did, it kind of convinced other veterinarians that, huh, there must be something to this. And, and my way of talking about it was um, the analogy of in the summertime, you're gonna eat fresh fruits and vegetables. And in the winter time, you wanna eat stews and soups and things that warm your body. And that what we do for yourself is the exact same for your pets. And I think that that is just intuitively makes a lot of sense. And then if you could identify, for example, in a allergy dog, the allergy dogs are super hot. They're really hot to the touch and they pant all the time and they're restless and, and owners will come in saying he's hot all the time. So when I said use cooling foods, that just automatically intuitively made sense to them. And then I did the whole, don't judge me now, <laughs> judge me in two weeks when your pet is so much better than they were before. Yeah, proof is in the pudding, you know, proof was in the, in the action and that it, that they got better. Now you said um, you had a financial backer to start Herb Smith. Um, yes. So um, were you actively involved in say the operations and you know, like how the company was run or? I wasn't supposed to be. In the beginning, I was supposed to just be the spokesperson and the, okay. um, the intellectual property. So, but <laughs> um, I take it so to heart and so seriously that I didn't want to risk my reputation with lesser quality supplements. So it was hugely important to me that the herbs were of the highest quality. So human grade, fully tested, have gone through a full food safety protocol that if I wouldn't give those herbs to my pet, I wouldn't give them to anybody else's pet. So with the master plan being that I wanted to be a positive influence in more pets' lives for more pet parents than I will ever meet. I'll never meet those pets. I'll never meet those owners. But I want to give them this gift of health in this approach that I found myself becoming more and more involved in all of the operations. So as I was doing that, I kind of, I was still practicing full time. And so I started practicing less and started managing Herb Smith more with the goal that I could see maybe a hundred patients in a week, but I could influence a thousand patients in a week if I, if I could do Herb Smith right. So I became more and more involved in the operations of making sure that purchasing of the herbs were correct, making sure the blending was right, making sure the packaging was perfect, making sure I got my message out there of, if you have a dog with arthritis, frankincense and myrrh and carthamus are great herbs for that. Um, 
And then slowly but surely, I stopped practicing. And now I just run HerbSmith and the Simple Food Project. So the Simple Food Project is uh, whole food that are freeze-dried and some dehydrated that are all based on food energetics. So now this possibility of building this great foundation can be had by the Simple Food Project food and then adding the right supplements to that to make it the best quality foundation that we can possibly do. So now I, um, we, have a, we have about 45 people that work at HerbSmith and, and we do all the production ourselves and I'm down there on the floor literally seeing it being produced and manufactured and I'm an integral part of it every single day. So it's now, now we sell to thousands and thousands of pet stores all over the world and to veterinarians all over the world and other um, pet professionals, so massage therapists, trainers, people all over the place. And, and I'm able to extend that knowledge. And so every, here's how I feel about it. So every animal that receives a, a bottle of HerbSmith herbs is getting my 30 years of experience to positively affect their lives. And so that is so empowering for me. And, you know, when you look at it, how did I get to this point? It was just small steps every day with a positive attitude, with a feeling of abundance, with um, a pure heart as to what my intent was. My intent was always to help as many pets as possible. And whatever that took, I was willing to do. And to have the highest amount of integrity in that process. Like you'll, you know, I mean, we have great customer service because we're all pet lovers ourselves. Um, but it's as pet lovers, we all like if somebody called and complained about an Herbsmith product, I would, I would be, what, what can we do to make this right? You know, and, and I would be like, well, why didn't that work? That should have worked perfectly. Or should we tweak this? Or we sh should we tweak that? Or, you know, it's definitely um, trying to scale this concept to be able to affect more animals in my lifetime, but yet very in tune to each and every pet and pet, pet parent. And I have an amazing crew of people behind me that, that helped me to achieve this. I mean, yeah, because, you know, to start a business and, and <laughs> operations, and especially because you're, you, you're doing herbs, herbsmith, and that's, you know, sourcing, testing, grading, and then you're, you're putting together um, all the different herb varieties and, you know, you're mixing it together to, 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 to get that efficacy, you know, that alchemy in that sense, yeah. you yeah. know, of, of how it works. Um, and the scale of what you're doing, you know, it's different when you're, when say you're in your own vet clinic, you know, um, doing it, you know, 
um, at the back of your clinic doing it uh, one-to-one patient kind of thing. And then yeah. when you transition to a company and then you're scaling it, you know, uh, one-to-many, um, did you, you know, uh, to me, it's like, you know, what, what would you say were your moments of difficulty or learning curves, you know, when you were transitioning over there? Um, I, I think probably one of my difficulties was um, not all pet stores or pet professionals are the same. So <laughs> I assume that everybody was like me and that they all wanted to help every pet parent that walked through their door. And it was shocking to me, the people that didn't, that it was just a business, that, that they were, they had a store and they were selling their wares, but they didn't really care. They cared more about the business and the profits than they did about the pets. And that was shocking to me. And because I came from the veterinary industry. So veterinarians, you know, we could have been physicians, but we loved animals and we cared about animals. And so most veterinarians, 98% of veterinarians really are compassionate and care about their patients. And I thought that that would be the same for pet store owners, that 98% of them would really care. But that's not true. And so what I found is that the pet industry is business. And I think sometimes they lost their heart and sometimes they never had their heart. And this concept that supplements, if you add just a little bit of something, it can be labeled as, for example, a joint supplement. So a hip and joint chew could be labeled the same as a supplement like our sound dog viscosity, for example, that the Herbsmith joint supplement has therapeutic levels, levels of the glucosamine and the chondritin and the hyaluronic acid that will definitely support that dog's joints their whole lives. A lot of hip and joint chews might have like two milligrams of glucosamine when they should have 2000 milligrams, but they can be sold in the marketplace with the exact same labeling. And that was so discouraging for me because I saw those people, those pets that came into me when they were 12 years old with arthritis. And as a veterinarian, my first thing is they need to be on glucosamine. And this poor pet parent says, well, he's been getting glucosamine his whole life that I get at this big box store. And I'm like, and I look into it and it had like nothing in it. And so they got screwed. So the owners got, got, had fraud committed. <laughs> the owners got ripped off, but who really suffered was that dog. The owners thought they were doing the right thing all along, but the industry the pet product industry 
allowed that dog not to get what he was supposed to get because there's no law against it. And I thought that was terrible. And so that really became the root of Herb Smith is let me educate you that there is a big difference between a good supplement and a not good one. And that nobody's protecting you. The FDA is not protecting pet parents to say that that all joint supplements have to reach a certain margin. They don't, they just have to have the presence of it. And the one thing that I am proud of is that because I kept yelling that to the world, it really has changed a lot of companies in the, the pet product industry where lots of companies who would have had just the presence of something of an active ingredient in their product had to step up to the plate because they had to, you know, I gave them the competition and said, this is bullshit and this is not doing what it's supposed to do. And you need to step it up. And fortunately there are enough good companies out there that definitely did do that. But yeah, that was probably my biggest difficulty is that all supplements are not created equal. And so people would think, well, I could get this $8 bag of joint supplement that's equivalent to this $40 bottle. Well, when you do the math on it, you would have had to feed four of those $8 bags a day <laughs> to get the same amount as you would in one dose of the higher price product. And not to say that the higher price is always better. I'm saying you need to do the math and most proactive pet parents shouldn't have to do the math. You know, we think that we're being protective and we're not. I think it's, it's a lot to do with the fact that because of the way the industry is rigged, you know, like you say, the FDA, the labeling, you know, the definitions, um, and there isn't really a quality control check, you know, in, in terms of, um, is this a good quality supplement or, you know, whereas yours came out right from the start, right from the gate as a high quality premium standard um, herbal supplement versus all the others from the big box stores, as you put it, where they look so dirt cheap and then yours is just freaking expensive. And they exactly. were, and you know, the, the, the pet parent, you know, walking down the aisle would just like, pick up that one and then pick up your box and, you know, look at the price and go, oh, it's so expensive. And I don't understand why. Right. Exactly. Yes. I agree a hundred percent. And, and I was very fortunate that that's really when the internet, you know, was coming around and that now people could just Google and see what is a therapeutic level? What is, an appropriate amount that my dog gets. My dog should have a different amount, a 80 pound dog from a five pound dog. And that just, again, intuitive common sense would tell you that. And so if you look at a product and the five pound dog's getting the same as the 80 pound dog, that can't be right. And I think the FDA is also very, and, and the industry in general is very focused on just safety, meaning that we can't have any negative reactions. But coming at it as a veterinarian, I say, if you have no negative reactions, 
then you probably have no positive reactions either. So if you're playing it so safe that you're giving two milligrams of glucosamine, you're never, ever, ever gonna have a safety issue. True. But you're also never, ever, ever gonna have good therapeutics. You're never gonna give them the amount that they need. So then why are we even doing it? Where I came into it as a veterinarian saying, I wanna give that dog the amount that they would get if they were eating in the wild and eating that bunny or that small prey, that how much would they have gotten in the wild? And that's the therapeutic level that their body requires. So to me, I was more interested in making sure that it worked than that nobody ever got sick. And nobody ever got sick anyhow, because it's healthy and, and it's food and it's, and it's, it's not a problem, but I'm just saying that my focus was different. My focus is on, and, and all of our products, my focus is on what is gonna work really well. If I say this is gonna help for say, cognitive function in, in older dogs, then it's gonna do that. And so there were many times that I was working on developing products that eh, didn't really work that great. Well, then it, you're not gonna see it in the Herb Smith line because I need to be sure that every single one is gonna actually do what it should do. Otherwise I'd direct you to someplace else. So how long does it usually take for you to do R&D on a product? You know, years, years. It's just a rough uh, idea. Yeah, I would say that um, the, the herbal products are easier because I've used them for 30 years in veterinary practice. So I, use those for a long, long time. And then I also, so I'm a veterinarian and have practiced for 30 years and have the best training available in the world for chiropractic and acupuncture and Chinese herbs. But then I also am a human acupuncturist and, it, and a herbalist for humans as well. So I took the, um, the boards for oriental medicine and I have a degree in oriental medicine for people as well with the idea that I wanted to be sure I wasn't missing something with the pets and that pets, pets can't speak to you and humans can. So what things that are treated with herbs and acupuncture in humans, that is because somebody can tell me it, that a dog couldn't. So for a, a really good example of that is, excuse me, ringing in the ears. And when a human has ringing in their ears, there's two reasons for it. One is either really high yawn and inflammation in their body, or the other is depletion of chi. So older people that get this ringing in their ears. Well, how would a dog tell me that? A dog really can't tell me that they have that, but what they can do is they kind of can show you. So a dog, an older dog, and when you, when you have this, um, depletion of chi ringing in the ears. It's kind of more of a low grade buzz, not high pitched. And if you press on your ears, it goes away. So what you see is older dogs who are always pressing their ears up against the couch. And I think it's because they're getting that same ringing in their ears. And so when you use the herbs, 
that stop that ringing in the ears in people, it stops that behavior in dogs. So isn't that kind of cool? Isn't that neat? Wow. Yeah. Okay, you know, I think I need to get that herb now because I've got um, tinnitus as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yours is probably high pitched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got the first kind, the high energy, high chi level. <laughs> <laughs> there was another dog that was really just a fascinating story. She had this, um, she kept doing this gulpy thing. And so the owner went to like every vet she could do and they did all this um, scoping and MRIs and just all of these um, in-depth diagnostics to find out why this dog kept making this gulping noise. And in Chinese medicine, that's called the plum pit feeling. And so a human feels like they have something stuck in their throat and it's stagnated chi, so stagnated energy in that area. And so there's wonderful herbs that, that get rid of that. And so we took that dog who had this horrible gulping thing that you know she had been everywhere in the world and we started that herbal formula on her and the gulping went away. So if she was a human, she'd say, I feel like something's stuck here, but she couldn't say that. And my knowledge of human, the use of herbs and humans helped me to try to figure out what was going on with this pet that she couldn't describe it. So it's, it's really just exciting. You know, for me, every patient is like a, a logical puzzle of what they're trying to communicate and then what we can do to help them to get better. And sometimes it's as simple as herbs and food. I love your brain. Can I just say this? Because <laughs> you, you, you have a very refreshing approach to, to how you treat your patients, you know, how you actually have that passion and that you know, that insight that you want, you want to reach out and serve and save more animals. You know, you, you, you know, you have this, in that sense, that hunger to serve and, and to, and to share your knowledge, you know, yes, which, which to be really honest, I know a lot of vets have, have compassion. They're, they're big hearted. They wouldn't be vets in the first place, but you going into the business side of it, you know, um, to expand Herb Smith and everything, it not that many vets would do that. That the, makes wonderful part, the wonderful part is without people like you and without all the wonderful um, pet stores that, that carry our product, that without all the veterinarians that do it, I was just providing something that they needed, a tool, another tool that they could use in their arsenal of helping animals as well. So I kind of feel like I'm just, um, there were many people that helped me to develop my thought processes and to teach me. And, and hopefully I'm just yet one more person that can, can provide a solution for pets because we're in this amazing world where we can use proactive, we can use good nutrition and we can use veterinary medicine. So we can use all of it rather than just 
waiting until they're so bad that you need to do a surgery on it. In your 30 years with Herb Smith, um, would it, was this ever a time where you had difficulty, you know, in, you know, in the sense that you feel like you needed to, well, it, was, it was too hard, you know, to, to go on? <laughs> Did you feel like quitting? All the time. Yeah. If I had any idea how hard it was going to be, I don't think I would have done it quite honestly, but it is so hard. It's, it's so hard every day. Just, just so many things. It's, it, it, it's just hard. You know, it's hard to get 45 people to think the way you think. It's hard to get, you know, store owners to, to feel the way you feel about it. And Luckily, um, I attracted people to me that thought like I do. So all of our employees are amazingly fabulous and tend to think like I think. Um, I attracted the right stores to me and the right people to me. And the people who didn't think the way I did went elsewhere and got cheaper other things. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard. I, it was, it was much harder than I would have expected. And, <laughs> and I also came from veterinary medicine where your word meant something and, and you had integrity and people knew that you had integrity. And the idea that a company is evil and products are bad was weird for me. Because to me, the company is just a way to be able to get the solutions, which are the products, get the solutions to people. So it wasn't about making money or any of that, although everybody needs to get paid. It was about being able to get these solutions out to the world. And that's like a paradigm shift and I could never, I, I still to this day don't understand how people can think that companies are bad and that products are bad because we all need products. <laughs> we all live by products and you need a group of people to be able to provide those solutions to people. So how did, how did company be considered a bad word and, and products be considered bad when in reality, that's what we need the most. That, I think that was the hard part for me is going into it, not thinking like that. And then when somebody's like, oh, you're just trying to sell a product. I'm like, wow, that was a slap in the face. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm trying to provide a solution for you that you need. Did you, did you, um, being a vet and then you're going to business, um, the learning curve for you, um, to run the business, what was that like? Oh, that was hard. It was super hard. I, I think the hardest part for me was um, that for me, it was more than, it's more than just a job. It's, it's a mission, a goal, a, uh, 
a life's work. And so when other people that I had hired, it was just a job to them, that I, it, it, it hurt me personally. And so I needed to toughen up and I wasn't very tough. So I needed to toughen up and that and realize that not everybody felt passionate about it the way I did and that it was just a job to somebody else. And I that was hard for me at first. Was I'm, better as it at says. <laughs> I'm better now than I was, but I that was hard. Yeah, because I, I I mean like I, I can't imagine being a vet and having such a big altruistic heart for animals you know and you just want to save every single animal that comes through your door um running a business is just so different you know oh. the environment and i mean you're a woman like one, like one example of it was i hired this amazing graphic artist and he was fabulous he was so good and i thought you know partnering with him is is just going to help us really to you know make this brand be what it should be. And he put up a, a sign in his <laughs> cubicle that said, I love cats, they taste good. And I was just so offended. I'm like, what on earth are you doing? That is just, <laughs> I was just like, like, Bleh! Yeah. to the heart i'm like what kind of bastard are you get out of my company for god's sakes like, my gosh <laughs> yeah. no, I, <laughs> I think that was what i was like oh reality check not everybody feels the way you do <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> He didn't last very long, to say the least. Oh, no. um, yeah, he would have been out the door. <laughs> it wasn't long before it really definitely affected his work because his work wasn't passionate. He, he was talented. He was fabulous. But his work wasn't passionate like I needed it to be. Did you, did you find it um, like your staff and your company and, and management in general, all the people that you dealt with on a business, you know, business to business, do you think they, did you find it easy for, for you to deal with them, to get their respect? Because the thing was, you're a woman and, you know, 30 years ago was still quite chauvinistic, you know, yeah. it's a very male-centric um, landscape in almost every industry, you know. Um, so having, you know, this little missy know-it-all coming in, you know, with all these, you know, big heart and wanting to serve and save the, you know, all the animals, um, how did you deal with that? You know, you know what? I just, I just didn't care. <laughs> the truth of the matter is I was so focused on what I was going to do and what I was trying to do that I didn't even see that side. I didn't care. And I felt like if, if you're not listening to me because I'm a girl or a woman, then you're, that's your problem. You're an idiot. And luckily there were enough people that did listen to me that 
did move forward with me, that did think the way that I thought that it was fine, but it was definitely, and it was kind of that way with alternative medicine too. I just, I just didn't care what anybody else thought at all. Not in a negative way, not, not at all. More in a, this is what I'm doing and it makes logical sense to me. And if you've got a hang up about a woman versus a man, that's your problem, not mine. And, and I, so I never really acknowledged it. And I think I always went back to logic and this makes common sense. Like the whole, you know, raw food feeding and fresh food feeding um, of Kimberly, it just makes sense. So it's easy to, for me to scream it to the world because it just makes sense. And I felt the same way about herbs. It just, they just make sense. Um, how about your family? Um you know, were they supportive of your wow, you know, adventure out there, you know? Yeah, I had a great family. My, my, um, my family's wonderful. In fact, one time I, um, when I was really young and I wanted to be a veterinarian and at the time there wasn't a vet school in our state. So I, it would have been really difficult to get in. And I'm somebody tried to talk me into something else. And I went to my dad and, and he's, I said, well, maybe I should be an optin, optetrician or something. And, and he goes, do you want to be a vet? And I go, yes, absolutely. That's all I want to do. And he goes, then just do it. And that mentality has just stuck with me my whole life. That, do you want to do this? Does it make sense? Just do it. And so that really kind of has been my foundation. So yeah, I had a great family that was very supportive but but they didn't have the passion that i had for it hmm. um you have another company called the simple food project when yeah. did you start that that we started about three years ago and it really came down to the idea of herbs were fabulous but really the foundation of all health is what you eat. And I certainly, I was like the rest of the raw feeders out there where I would grind up the meat and have all defrost all the chicken necks and make these fabulous meals for my dogs. But I knew that the, the average pet parent couldn't do that or wouldn't do that or didn't have the time to do it or the ick factor was just too much. and. So when I got introduced to freeze-dried meats and freeze-dried food, I went, wow, now that is the way to get to the masses. That he, nobody ever says, I feed crappy food. Nobody says that because they're all, everybody thinks what they're giving to their dog is, is really good food. So we get bought into that idea. But if we could provide a way for people to feed really good food without the ick factor, without having it to be this bloody stuff defrosting in their refrigerator, that the masses could do. And so that's really how I got into um, freeze-dried food. And so we own two huge facilities. One is 45,000 square feet. The other one is 85,000 square feet. Wow. And we have like 14 
huge industrial freeze dryers. So I heavily invested in this idea that if I could bring healthy food to pets in a scoopable, non-icky way, we could get it to the masses. And, not, and now my presence goal right now is trying to get it to be a cost-effective price. So lots of people will add some freeze-dried to their pet's food, but it's so crazy expensive. And so I'm doing a lot of work with other companies to develop um, freeze-dried times that are shorter so that, the, so that it could be more efficient, so that the price can be lower. So that's kind of my next big project is trying to, to get freeze-dried food from good, healthy, wholesome meats not garbage or meat meals or any of that, good, healthy, vibrant meats at a cost that the average person could afford. And that's a big, that's a big wall to scale because, you know, most kibble is just garbage, you know, it's the waste products. And so it's easy to be 25 cents a pound because it's garbage. So how do you get good, healthy, wholesome food down to a price the average person could afford? I think we can do better. I think we can do better than we are right now. And that's my goal is to get to that point. So Simple Food Project is right in there. So Simple Food Project is freeze-dried meats and fruits and vegetables in species-appropriate amounts. So the upside-down food pyramid where you know, the majority is meat and organ and smaller amounts of veggies and fruits and very little if no um, grains or carbohydrates. And, but doing it in a freeze-dried format so that it's um, non-icky. And then if you look at Simple Food Project, our price per pound is really low. Like we're down in the $14 a pound where most of the freeze-dried food is up in the $40 a pound. So we could charge more for it, but that's not our goal. Our goal and our mission is to get more pets eating more healthy food. And I understand that, that your pet is not your primary responsibility, but, and that your children and yourself is absolutely. But if you could add Simple Food Project, even as a topper or a treat, anything you do will raise their plane in nutrition and will increase their health. And if you could do it all, 100% as their food, fabulous. Because in the end, you're going to pay less in veterinary bills because you're feeding healthy food. So pay now or pay later is how I always felt about it. But but anything you can do that you can raise their plane of nutrition, that's what it's all about. So we use species appropriate food, low carbohydrate, high omega-3s. So I'm looking at it from a Western nutritionist perspective and also from a Chinese medicine perspective. So they're um, qi moving and cooling or warming and, and we have herbs in every one of our formulas. And, you know, it's, there's, no chemicals, all our fruits and vegetables are organic. So, you know, basically what would I feed my pet? This is what I would feed my pet. Wow, I love this. This is so inspiring because, you know, um, as, a, as a volunteer 
um, caregiver and, you know, I do fostering and adoption. So I always, all my animals that I foster are raw fed. So nice. when I look for adopters, I always, you know, one of the criteria is ideally I would like you to feed raw or, you know, a fresh food diet, you know, uh, gently cooked. And yep. usually we teach them, um, you know, how to feed during the, the you know, the, the fostering period, you know, that transition before they confirm like, okay, I'm going to adopt when they sign the yeah. deal, right? So we yeah. will usually handhold them and then we'll give them some food. We'll, we'll just make sure they have enough food to start with. And we actually do the economics for them. We'll, we'll, we'll do the calculation because it always boils down to dollar and cents. Yes. Absolutely. So the man on the street, you know, um, like you said, we love animals, but most people, they have other priorities in life, you know, jobs, bills and all that and children. And so for us, we always, you know, try to educate the parent, like, you know, the cost of feeding fresh is a lot cheaper. You get exactly. bang for the buck. And guess yeah. what? Your vet bills will actually be lower because you oh, have perfect. healthier animals. And when you see the vet, you know, it'll just be for wellness check. You know, and the vets will be happy because it, they'll heal better, and they they have this great foundation for health. So that yeah, I and what I loved about freeze dried is that it was the closest thing to raw fresh. Hmm. So it 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 ha the sublimation process doesn't damage all the heat liable vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, and so all the enzymes and all the goodness of raw is still there, but yeah. it's in a shelf-stable way that you can ship all over the world and you could have it in your pantry rather than having it in your in your, your refrigerator. And ideally, raw would be great if everybody could do it, but it's such a big leap for so many people that mm. this is kind of the next yeah. most convenient step. I love freeze-dried. Um... Over here, we use this as, top as toppers, like you said, you know, yep. as to supplement, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever diet that you're feeding. I mean, like we, we talk to a lot of pet parents who are still feeding, you know, commercial diets, but they usually come to us and talk to us because, oh, my, my dog has skin problems and, you know, or oh, my cat has this. And we'll always ask them, number one, what are you feeding your animal? And then we'll say, well, would you be interested in transitioning or trying something new? And usually we find that, like you said, that ick factor of raw, they are more open to, to trying with freeze-dried. And yeah. even for, yeah. and, and especially for cats, and especially yeah. for cats who are so finicky and if they are kibble addicts, which most cats are, you know, to, to transition them to a fresh food diet, we use freeze-dried all the time. Nice. You know, That's to, instead of kibble even like my community cats downstairs we because of economics we feed a mixture of raw food with say wet canned food and yep. but we also add freeze-dried inside so instead yep. of adding kibble as a topper you know we use freeze-dried and you know eggs or whatnot but we use the freeze-dried part to tr transition the very difficult cats that might yep. not you know, because they can't smell raw because they're so used to commercial, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that, you know, that MSG in, 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 in the doom nuggets, as I call them, you know, yeah. so freeze-dried has still, you know, that taste, that umami, 
that yeah. helped them, encouraged them to eat, you know. You know, uh, the funny thing was, as we were talking about my journey, and um, it, I went to a conference that was like the big kibble makers were there. And so I went to a, 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 a meeting and it was a lecture about palatants. So basically liquids or powders that you put on your food to get dogs to eat them. And that was so strange to me because I was like, why would you need to do that? Dogs are scavengers, they're great eaters. And <laughs> that's their superpower is eating. And I was sitting next to a lady who worked for a big pet food company and she very snootily said, so, so who do you use for your palatins and, and your, and your um, feeding or your palatin trials, palatability trials? And I was like thinking, hmm, my dog, my friend's dogs, the neighbor's dogs, like, and then I said to her, I said, well, the food I make is real food. It's real meat and real fruits and vegetables. And she looked at me with disgust, like, oh, please. And I, at first I thought, wow, I'm kind of an idiot here. But then I thought about it. And I'm like, that's asinine. Why do you have to put palatins on food to make a dog want to eat it? When dogs eat poop, for God's sakes, <laughs> if you can't get a dog to eat your food, then there's something really, really wrong with it. So yeah, it, I kind of went into this just as a veterinarian, just as a veterinarian thinking, this makes common sense. And how can I, how can I simulate as close to possible a raw food diet? Because I knew that raw food diets really worked and that patients who got fed raw food diets healed well they look great they had this amazing foundation and so I didn't even think how is anybody else in the world doing it I just thought what made the most logical sense <laughs> oh, you know like I said I love your noggin I love your brain um, you you know you keep talking about the logical side you you know of how you approach things and how you deal with problems um, but I look at you and I think you're an artist in, in your heart because you utilize both the left and the right side of your brain because you have the science background, the Western medicine training, you know, that logic factor. But because you studied TCM and TCM is, is, is different in this approach and how, 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 even the words they use to describe, uh, you know, uh, states and conditions and flow and chi, you know, um, it's very fluid. It's very creative, you know, and that's the right side to me. You know, yeah. TCM yeah. Is, 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 is the right side of the brain, whereas the Western medicine is the left side. But yeah. when I listen to you share your story, you know, my heart just goes... Oh, wow, because you just use both sides effortlessly, you know, with, with, it's easy somehow. And, it then, it's, very and easy. then it's all intermingled. Yes, it's like the beauty is that if we can, if we can use both sides, if we can, you wouldn't throw out Western medicine and you don't throw out Chinese medicine, but if you can use the two together and mesh it, wow, like how 
how many animals would live their best life? I mean, really, that is, that's the root of it is how can we make every animal live, provide them everything they need to live as well as they can. That is, you know, you've got genetics that you can't change but you can provide everything they need for this really good foundation. Yeah. And, I, and I found that we're in such a great place where, you know, pet parents can have an, a holistic veterinarian that looks at their pet and a traditional veterinarian. I would never say not to use a pharmaceutical if you need it. If you need antibiotics, absolutely. Or if your pet needs antibiotics, absolutely. But then I would take it a step further and say, why did that opportunistic bacteria invade? It invaded because it could, because the immune system was not as strong as it should be. So I would use antibiotics to kill the bad, bad bacteria, but then I would also use herbs and food to raise their immune system up and help them to not have it abate again. Otherwise it'll just continue to happen again. And that's kind of that intermeshing of, of both lines of thinking. You know, and that's what I think Herbsmith and the Simple Food Project, they represent, yes. you know, yes. the way I, I, I look at it is, you know, it's your life's work, you know, your journey. <laughs> it's yeah. the culmination of all your 30 years of experience as a vet. And, you know, for you to actually scale that so that you can reach more people, to affect more change um, in these two companies, you know, um, yeah. I think, like I said, not many people do it, you know. Um, yeah. And I think that's the beauty is that because I've literally done it in practice, I've literally had thousands and thousands of animals that, that we would recommend the right herbs and the right food and, and they got better. So it wasn't just theory. It's not just a theory that this will do it. It's literally practicing, literally seeing it, literally seeing the impact that can be made with food. I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir because, you know, people that are listening to you all most likely have the same sort of feelings about it, but, but it, it's not just a theory. It's beautiful. Um, you know, listening to you uh, today, it's it's been a real pleasure. You know, uh, I so enjoy um, listening to you describe and share. You know your journey. Um, who would you say inspires you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I love Karen Becker. Um, you know, she's just, she's just a, a selfless, brilliant, clear thinking, true person. I think that she has been a role model, um, even though I'm older than she is. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> I'm older than her, but she's pretty amazing. You know, and then I always go back to um, that saying of Gandhi that be the change you want to see in the world. And 
this is the change I want to see in the world. And if I'm one small contributor to it, then I was here for the right reasons, that I'm doing the right things, that if I want to see more animals eat healthy food, then I'm fortunate enough to be able to have the factories to make it. If I'm fortunate enough to have the knowledge to get the right herbs to pets, thank God I can do that. So really be the change you want to see in the world and just fearlessly do it. And don't even think about the naysayers in the world. I, I don't even see them. Like they're like not even there to me. And maybe I'm good at creating my own reality and that I just ignore any naysayers. Maybe that's my superpower. I don't know. <laughs> I think it is because, you know, really honestly for, you know, as a, you're truly a pioneer, you know, in the sense that a pioneer holistic veterinary uh, vet, you know, in when you first started in the eighties, you know, um, I think even then not many women yeah. you know, made it to vet school. And I mean, like, I remember, you know, um, there was this thing about uh, girls who went to vet schools, you know, they, they're not expected to practice in the end. They'll somehow, you know, the idea was that they would get married anyway <laughs> and, and not practice anyway, you know. Uh, it was very dismissive. But you, you know, for you to do that, you know, you must have that chutzpah, you know, that that determination, the, like you said, blindness on and really like zero focus, like what you want. I want to be a vet, you know, and I don't care about anyone else. Um, just to get to vet school, to graduate and then practice, it takes a lot of determination and a super brain as well, because I think vets uh, have a bigger brain than I think doctors, because you have to study so many different animals, it's not yeah. just the human, you know, human doctors just study the male body and the female body. That's it. You know, yeah. whereas for vets, I, I always am in awe because your memory, your brain is, is amazing because you've got the small animals and then you've got the big, large animals, you know? And I mean, like in countries like yours where you have cattle, <laughs> yeah. you know, horses, <laughs> you, you know, um, things that I don't see because I, I live in a very urban tropical island, very modern, but um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you have to actually bridge a lot of, a lot of thinking and, and a lot of um, preconceptions, yeah. you know, you have to, you know, you have to overcome that. You have to push that away and move forward. And for you to become a vet and then one day go, Hmm, I want, I want to, I want to, let the masses have herbs you know and uh, the accessibility to it i want to educate them i want to make it easy for them um again you know blindness on just go for it you know exactly yep yep do not listen to anybody else wow i mean i guess i would say i'd listen but i didn't listen to the naysayers i just i just didn't yeah and you know and you just starting the simple food project three years Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's not being rude out of respect. How old are you? 60. I just turned 60 yesterday. Oh, wow. Happy birthday. <laughs> happy, happy birthday. And to be honest, 
60 is not that old. <laughs> Honestly. I feel I, like I'm wise. <laughs> I think I, I think you're telling myself. I think you're in your prime, you know, because yeah. you, I think really you, that is your prime because you spent the last 30 years crafting, mastering yeah. your art, getting that experience, you know, and now, you know, you're, you're forging ahead and starting the Simple Food Project as the next step in your, you know, in your mission to reach out to the masses and to make you know, fresh food feeding, that, that concept, nutrition as the foundation of good health, you know, yeah. that concept to everyone so that it's easy for them to grasp and more important that it's easy on their pockets. Yeah, yeah. We're doing this um, new project. It's called Curating the Bowl. And it's, um, it, anybody can go to our websites and fill out this form. And basically the form comes to me and I evaluate it and, and then make recommendations about how they can build this foundation. So uh, I might recommend Simple Food, I might recommend Touring Boost from Herbsmith or Calm Shen or whatever that pet needs. And it's, it's been crazy successful and I really am enjoying it. But what I found, what we saw, what we can see is Pets that are getting fed real food, so either um, DIY raw or more freeze-dried or simple food project, they have a, a few issues here and there, but not much. People who are feeding just straight up kibble have just this long litany of issues that their pet has. And it's really striking, super striking, where in my veterinary practice, I had people that came to me that already had exhausted all of those other things. So I had a very select group of people where this is now allowing me to see kind of the whole pet population, which is really fascinating. People that are just starting on the plane of trying to get good nutrition to their pets, all the way to people that are already doing all most of the right things. Wow. I think that'll be really exciting and very fascinating. It, it is really neat. So I, I get to see hundreds of people's stories wow. every week and then help them to try to, and it's all for free. Just, you know, here's some knowledge and here's what I would recommend that I think would really help your dog. Or if it's something that we don't have, then I'll say, you really need acupuncture. You really need chiropractic. Here's, and here's somebody in your area that could help you. So it's really kind of a, a great way to kind of, again, give that solutions. Dr. Bassett, you're amazing. You're such a cool lady. You really are. <laughs> you know, oh man. I, you know, um, there are times when I do wish that I, I lived in, in the US because all, all the people that I admire are all based there, you know, and mm. you're one of them, you know, and I, you know, it's, it's you know, I wish um, Singapore had more, more thought leaders like you, you know, um, to be honest, we don't have um, true holistic vets in Singapore. We all, all of them yeah. are conventionally trained. Um, yeah. They might offer modalities like acupuncture or you know TCM, but I have yet to meet a vet 
that will tell you food is the foundation of good health and that it's not kibble. Wow. Every single clinic that I've been to in Singapore, um, ha- they all sell prescription diet. Mm. Even the so-called holistic ones. Holistic wow. ones. You know, so uh, for me, you know, I think that's why I am ha- more than happy to, you know, stay up at two in the morning to speak to you, you know, people like you, because um, I learned so much you know, just talking to you. And that's why I, I love I love opportunities like this when when people like you are willing to share and spend, you know, take your time to talk to me. And, you know, um, I'm hoping that, you know, people who listen to this podcast, they are inspired as well and they learn yeah. something new. Uh, yeah. you, you know, they might not be in Singapore. They might be somewhere else in the world because being a podcast, it's anywhere. But, you know, I, I just want to say thank you so much because you truly are an amazing, cool lady, you know, and, and you tell me you're 60 and I'm just saying, you know, I am looking forward to see what else you can do in the next 30 years with, (laughs) I mean, really, honestly, because, you know, the simple food project is just started in the, in this baby, in this, you know, baby, baby steps. And, you know, knowing you, the way, you know, just listening to you and I know that your brain, you're thinking all the time. You're always looking far ahead. You know, that's, that's yes. my sense from you. You're always yeah. thinking, always, you know, like, how far can I go? What else can I do? What steps can I take? And, you yeah. know, um, and you're very humble, you know. Uh, you're, you're really very humble. And I love the fact that you, you just want to serve, you know, listening to you. It's, it's very inspiring and I wish and I hope that if there are any other vets in Singapore, if they ever listen to my podcast, I hope they'll be inspired by people like you because, you know, um, there's more to life than just an antibiotic and steroids. <laughs> it's not the answer. It's not the answer to everything, you know, it's not the yeah. answer to everything. You I know? couldn't imagine practicing veterinary medicine without knowing Chinese medicine without knowing chiropractic, without knowing food, food therapy. I couldn't imagine it because it's such a foundation of my veterinary practice. And it shows, I mean, in, in the, in your, in your businesses, you know, in your approach, um, it really shows, you know, uh, that, that, that level of that standard of care and love that you have, it translates over. So, you know, Dr. Chris Fesson, thank you so much for your time. It's it's been a real honor to speak to you, you know. And like I said, you're such a cool lady. Like, wow, I'm I'm so chuffed I got to speak to you. And I'm so thankful as well. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. It was great spending some time with you. Thank you for listening to Dr. Chris's story. Look out for Krista Powell's interview next week. Wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.